Shack's Loot Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4, The Ripper. Probably waiting for me to talk. I'm, I'm wrestling with my cat, who's going crazy on my wires. I mean, she, he literally hissed at me. He has never hissed at me in his life of nine years of having this cat. He's like, <sighs> I think we do need to keep this in recording. Hello, welcome everybody to the Cole Shack's Loop Podcast. Uh, my name is Robert, and I'm dealing with uh, many animal issues tonight. One of them being that I've got a cat now who loves my wires. And the other night when we were recording, he pulled some of them out. And uh, Bradley's with me. Bradley, why don't you take it for a second? Talk to people. Yeah, let me just... Uh, yeah, we're, we're here. We're rolling sound. Uh, and this is the Cole Shack Sloop Podcast. Hope you all are having a better afternoon than both of us. Uh Seems like we we were we were supposed to start at ten and uh, well it's now or ten my time it's now eleven ten right now so yeah what yeah. is it they say about best made plans but hey we're happy that you joined us happy that y'all are here we are we absolutely are and this is uh, a bit of a passion project for me that goes back at least probably about five years thinking about the if I was ever going to do any podcasting what would I do and. I thought it was going to be a show about Kolchak. And then literally two years ago, Bradley and I actually did the first recording for this show. You probably heard that in some of the discussions we've had. And I even had uh, Mark Twidziak locked up two years ago. And we finally got to have him on the show and do uh, some incredible um, interviews with us. We just loved it. And uh, But tonight we were, we're taking a, a switch... Um, so to speak, we thought we might do the second TV movie, um, but as it turns out, the the Me TV schedule is going to be going to uh, starting the episode one, the Ripper of the TV series. At least that's what the plan is. So we're going to go ahead and cover that tonight, and really we're, we're thrilled about it because honestly, it's a great episode. I mean, we'll we'll get into our ratings at some point, but um, Bradley, how have you been doing, sir? Man, I've been well. Uh... This is uh, not, you know, my Cole Shack experience has been pretty awesome so far. I saw the Night Stalker movie. I thought it was amazing, and I saw the Ripper episode, and uh, spoiler alert, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was really well done as well, so, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit deeper here, uh, but man, so far, Cole Shack. It Shack's, all only goes downhill from there. <laughs> wow, that's I'm very. I'm kidding. I'm that's kidding. very pessimistic. No, no, no. There, there are some fantastic episodes in there, and many that, um. You know, I've liked for a number of years and, and fall back on and and really we'll see how many of those episodes um, 
you know, really influenced so many other shows. And we'll even talk about this in the news segment in just a little bit. But um, Bradley, speaking of um, the, uh, do we well, do we want to do the news before we do the cast and crew? How do we like to do? It? I think we have cast and crew teed up first. What would you like to do first? Well, uh, how about we you you hit us with the news? Okay. Well, we got we got a little news bumper uh, that's in there somewhere. So why don't we try to go ahead and play that for everybody and see if we can get that going. Now, that is news, Vincenzo. News. And we are a news paper. We are supposed to print news, not suppress it. Sorry, that was really crazy. <laughs> that was completely crazy. Oh, I think we are going to have to put this out, man. <laughs> Just so? for you keeping score at home, I am not drinking. I'm not taking any medication. I am just tired. And I've walked my dog. I can't even tell you how many times tonight. So good, t- good stuff. Well, thank you for playing that, Bradley. Uh, one of my favorite scenes. And I believe that bumper actually comes from the first TV movie. Um, and pretty sure. Is, is that your memory on that one, Bradley? Yeah. Uh, I just saw it too. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's that's, pretty, it's pretty I've heard it. In your mind. I've heard it. So yeah, well, let's, let's go ahead and mention, um, once again, that this, uh, TV show is in um, the TV movie and whatever else is all based on a character by Jeff Rice, who was actively involved in the first uh, TV movie and the second TV movie, uh, was actually there for some script rewrites, and uh, it was um, uh, adapted by you know an incredible science fiction writer Richard Matheson, and I think even uh, Rice and Matheson got along very well. Uh, Matheson did not have any any screenwriting credits for the TV series, and as a matter of fact, Jeff Rice was uh, kind of taken out of the deal on that when it was signed to go to a TV series. Uh, Mark Dewidziak has talked about maybe that had something to do with the fight that happened between Dan Curtis and Carl Carl <laughs> Darren McGavin. Um, when they were shooting the second movie and then they decided just to do a TV series instead of do a third movie. But uh, we, we really feel like we're dedicating the show to the, char- to the character Kolshak, but also at the same time, I'm going to dedicate it to my newly dead cat once he eats this wire that's underneath my desk. <laughs> but no, we're, we're dedicating it to uh, also Jeff Rice. Uh, Bradley, why don't you say just a, a second, can you actually, can you handle... Well, I talked about the news. Let's just go ahead and go with that. There are going to be some DVDs released in October, and they are going to be Blu-ray, and this is the first time that any of the Shack series is going to be on Blu-ray. And um, something else I wanted to mention, if any of you saw the Jordan Peele sort of reboot of the Twilight Zone series, now only went two seasons and is done, but there was a very... Um, uh, strong allusion to the Night Stalker and uh, homage, you'd almost might say. And it was in the episode called A Traveler, written by Glenn Morgan, who was a uh, writer on the X-Files. And of course, almost everybody knows famously that the X-Files was heavily influenced by Kolshak, the Night Stalker. And there are two characters in that episode of The Twilight Zone. One is called Kolshak, the other is called Matheson. And so that was their little tribute that they had to that. And so that was fantastic um, that they did that. 
And um, last thing I was going to say, I'm going to, I am going to have to take a pause because my equipment's going to get knocked off as my cat eats this. Hold on. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> Live recording. Um, the last thing I was going to say is there, there had been some talks a few years ago that Johnny Depp was going to play Carl Kolschak. And of course, Johnny has a very strong or had a very strong relationship with Disney because of all the Pirates movies that he had made. I believe that he was um, uh, kind of asked and or forced not to be involved in one of the last Pirates movies. And I think a lot of his deals, I, I'm completely speculating here. So Bradley, if you know more about this, let me know. Or if anybody listening knows more about this, let us know. But I think some of Johnny's uh, deals kind of dried up. And as a, and then sort of as a result of that, the coal shack idea dried up. Now it was going to be um, possibly written by, um, gosh, I was going to say Wes Anderson, but it's not Wes Anderson. Let me double check my note. It's the guys who who wrote Shaun of the Dead. And let's see if I can get to that page. Bradley, you see where I've got it? There we go. Edgar Wright. Yeah. So it was going to be. Um, Edgar Wright, who wrote Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, uh, famously with Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost. And that little group there, just a little bit of trivia for you, those three movies are called the Coronado Trilogy, and it is because it has to do with that type of ice cream that you see in some of those uh, movies. So anyway, there was a chance, dear folks, that we were going to get our, our, our beloved Cole Shack on the big screen, um, and, and I don't think it was going to be any sort of television development. I think it was actually supposed to be a movie, but that is, that is dried up for us now. So in terms of our news, uh, that we've got, that's kind of where we are at this point. Um, we would love to, um, be able to see some other news if people can bring that out there. Actually, there have been that I've seen a couple, uh, novels that have just dropped, or at least one that came out of Moonstone. Do you remember that, um, Bradley? I think the the author is one of the guys that's on the sites, and his last name's Miller. Yeah, uh, I, I, let me grab the title of the book real quick. Um, and he even, as you're looking for that, um, I think he may even have two. One, I believe, is is a I don't know how they did it, but is a co-writing effort because it lists Matheson and it lists this Miller author. And I think what they did was to novelize what would have been the third um, Kolshak movie. And they turned that into a novel. Now, I, I hopefully my information is correct on this. Usually I'm pretty good when it comes to Kolchak. Kol, look at that. I said Kolchak. Kolchak trivia. Wow. And, um, but anyway, we probably don't need to spend a whole lot longer on this uh, news segment here. But um, have any luck with finding that guy? I want to see no. Dennis Miller, but I know that's not Chuck. Dennis I think it Miller. is Chuck Miller. <laughs> okay. I believe almost positive that's who it is. So Chuck, if you're listening, thank you very much. We would love to interview interview you at some point and talk to anybody who has been able to continue on this uh, Cole Shack world. And honestly, and Bradley has bought quite a few comic books, and I think somewhere oh, yeah. down the road, and I think even Chuck has been involved with some comic books. Um, we should get some of those people to, to work with us also. Oh, definitely. I think that would be uh, a, a fun time. Uh, I've always loved comic books and Cole's Jack meets comic books. That sounds like a, they even had a, my favorite horror movie of all time. 
I think I've mentioned this on every podcast we did. Night of the Living Dead, they have a Cole Shack Night of the Living Dead crossover that Moonstone did that looks, I've got every book from it, and I haven't read it yet. I don't think I'd get spoiled on the series, but just, I don't know. I'm just going to wait, watch the whole series, so I'll get a bigger, better appreciation. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would Shack, know character, I guess. Um, what they have um, taken from all that, either. Um, can you still hear me okay, Bradley? Yeah, your volume went down a little bit, but it's yeah, okay. Oh, guess why? Uh, can't possibly have anything to do with a cat. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, love him. Just love him. Okay. So, Bradley, that was the news. Correct. Yeah, it sounds like you need, yeah, sounds so, like you need to, uh, need to cast your cat aside and, <laughs> Since I mentioned cast. That is going to be, and that's where the zombie's going to be. And that's where I'm going to be. Wait for me! I'm coming! Get back, get back! I'm ready for anything! So, Robert, uh, what's what's the significance of that bumper again? That is Wallowitz's mom, who is an actress that uh, was in, now what's going to be our second episode. I think she's in a couple more. Um, after that, there is a little, and I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. I'm trying to actually look for it right now. They have her listed as being a main cast member. It may be in the IMDb, but, uh, I apologize. I don't remember her name. And there was, you know, there was a touching tribute to her on the big bang theory because they had her character pass away suddenly. And I think you could see the cast deal with that shock and trauma because that's actually, you know, truly what happened to the actress is she did pass away suddenly. But that voice is, it's so iconic. I, when I first heard her in rewatching, um, the night stalker, I immediately knew that it had to be the, the mom from the big bang theory. And I think I'd even known her other times too. But, uh, yeah, so that's why I think it's a good one to, for us to realize. There's another, and I know, Bradley, you attempted to watch some Seinfeld. I think you even like some of it. Um, there is another cast member, actually a cast member, a recurring actor from Seinfeld who is going to be in an episode. And he has a great, <laughs> ridiculous quote. <laughs> and you, if you know Seinfeld well enough, you'll know. So, anyway. But yeah, do you want to attempt to do the cast uh, names here, or you want me to give it a shot? Um, how about I do? The, I'll do the the notable cast, and you can do the other note, or I can do the starring cast, and you can do the other notable. How about that? Let's try that. All right. So, uh, of course, the the episode is The Ripper. This aired September thirteenth, nineteen seventy four. Stars Darren McGavin as Carl Kolshak. Simon Oakland as Tony Vincenzo. Patrice Collin as Jane Plum, Ruth McDevitt as Elderly Woman, Jack Greenwich as Ron Updock, and Ken Lynch as Captain Warren. All right. Any kind of comments about how you like any of those characters? Uh, I, I'll save it for my uh, other other works by casting. Really? Group. I'm trying to stall. <laughs> so oh. You would say something about it. <laughs> Oh, because yeah, uh, you so, know our our notes are just fantastic. Go ahead. Anything else you want to say about them? Um, wh- what do you what are you getting hung up on? I thought it's, they're all. 
I'm going to the notables. I got them. It just took me a while to find it. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got all these other people in here. This is awesome. Uh, Muse Small as the masseuse. Don Mantooth as a policeman. I hope that's the way you say it. Roberta Collins as Detective uh, Cortazzo. Mickey Gilbert as the Ripper. Uh, and I believe Mickey Gilbert... Oh, I'm getting a mix-up with somebody else. But I think he was actually a stuntman uh, that they put in that role. He sure was. And he, I think he ended up coordinating... Uh, he did some... Uh... I think he did some other episodes that he did. Yeah, I think he there. did too. Right, he might have been their heads. Oh, and, their heads. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to Charlie when we talk about other notable casts. Okay. Uh, Dick Warlock as the policeman, and Jim Michael as uh, a reporter. And you're saying he's also been in the Twilight Zone, huh? He, yeah, he has also been in the Twilight Zone. And speaking of other, you know, people who've been in other things, uh, well, I guess we need to talk about who directed it first, don't we? Yeah, go for it. Uh, it was directed by Alan Barron, produced by Paul Playden, written by Rudolph Borchette. Ba- it is also based on the novels of Jeff Rice, and the cinet- cinematography was Donald Peterman. And uh, just digging in, this is our segment, the other notable uh, works by the cast and crew. These are just some of the things that are off the beaten path, maybe, uh, that you may not see. Try to keep it horror-based, but it's just usually what piques my interest, really. Uh, just scrolling through. Uh, Batrice, who plays Miss Plum, actually, ironically enough, played a prostitute in American Pop. <laughs> yeah, because, man, it, there is a lot of, like, statements made about her weight throughout this thing, you know? I mean, it's it's unreal. Like, unfair? Unfairly unreal? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like it. Well, it's just like not even that, but it's just like to the point where they say it like a couple times, four or five times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually like three, but I, because I I was doing the same thing, and being a big guy myself, but you know, I, I, I think this is what happened. I think the script was written, and they put an actress in it who was not rail thin. And they just dressed it up by saying that she's fat. And then her character then ordered, you know, a triple-decker tongue sandwich, you know, pecan pie, um, a root beer float with two two scoops of ice cream. You know, I've watched this so many times, I remember a lot of what she ordered. And, you know, and I, I think they just played it up that way. But no, I don't, I don't think by many standards of let's say morbid obesity or anything else like that. She really isn't that big of a person, but yes. Um, um, you know, the, uh, the character who was the, uh, uh, old x-ray eyes. I mean, she talked about that she was fat. Like, what did he, what did she look like? And he, yeah. she says she was fat. And then I think there's another conversation where he kind of makes fun of her being overweight, but yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, but that was also the seventies. And th- yeah. there really was this um, pressure on a lot of women to be super, super thin. I mean, one of the most successful models of that era was a woman named Twiggy. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with her or not, but she she yeah. actually appears in uh, the Blues Brothers. She's the woman mm-hmm. who was there getting gas when uh, Dan Aykroyd tries to schmooze on her. But uh, anyway, go go on with, with uh, what else you're going to say about the cast. And yeah, I think uh, I think you would pronounce her name Beatrice. Oh, what what did I say? 
Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't think it was that. Oh, well, my apologies okay. for the mispronunciation. Uh, Ruth McDevitt was in Hitchcock's The Birds, a great horror film. John Greenwich was in Rebel Without a Cause, the famous yes. James Dean film. Yes. Uh, the Munsters, Playhouse 90, which Rod Serling wrote for a lot. The Twilight Zone, which, of course, uh, Rod Serling was the creator behind. And he acted with McGavin again in The Outsider later on. And speaking to people who acted with, with uh, McGavin, Ken Lynch was in Playhouse 90 in The Twilight Zone, along with a few horror movies like I Married a Monster from Outer Space and Anatomy of a Murder. He was in The Monsters and The Invaders, and like I mentioned, he was in Mike Hammer with Darren McGavin. Muse Smalls was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, American Pop, and the horror classic Puppet Masters. What a great 80s uh, horror film. Love Puppet Masters. Uh, and we'll, we'll get back to other 80s horror films here in a second. Roberta Collins was in a slew of horror films in the 70s and 80s, including The Witch That Came from the Sea, Eaten Alive, and the infamous Saturday the 14th. I've never watched Saturday the 14th at all. I don't know I mean, what that it's, is. It's just a parody, right? I, I, I believe so, but I, I, th- I, th- I think, think it might have seen it. Um, have you? It's been, yeah, it's been. I mean, it's, I couldn't. I couldn't begin to tell you the first thing about it, other than I'm pretty sure it's a parody. I mean, you know, of course, it's Friday the Thirteenth and Saturday the Fourteenth. Let me let me ask you back about Muse Smalls. Now that isn't the actor who played the Indian in, um, in One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, is it? She played a candy. That's a female. Muse Smalls. Yes. Female. Okay, yes, yes, so yes. never mind. Sorry. She was like um, a candy striper or something like that? Uh, I think that was one of the nurses there, wasn't it? Okay, I don't know. I'm not familiar yeah, with you, it. Have you not seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I've seen it many times, but I, I wouldn't recognize that actress. I mean, oh, it's, okay. You know, I, I know the, the core group, and then, of course, um, Nurse Ratchet. But past yeah. that, I don't recognize well, too many this one, people. The, well, this is why we do the deep dive here, guys. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, Charlie Pisser. How do you say his name? Pickerny? Um, I'm trying to find where you say that. Charlie, P-I-C-E-R-N-I. Oh, uh, I guess I would probably call it... Um, it could be either Picherny or it could be um, Picerny. But so, sometimes in Italian, they'll say the C as an S, or they'll see it as a say it as kind of a K. So I'm not sure. But he has been a stunt coordinator from uh, Fast Nine, Venom, Die Hard, Demolition Man, uh, Time Cop, just True Lies. If you like, literally, if you go to his IMDb, uh, you can scroll for and just go down a rabbit hole after rabbit hole with him. He's been hundreds. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds. He's done stunts for 374 wow. shows. Wow. And he's been the actor on 95 of them, uh, which that number doesn't come close to some of the actors on here, but 374 you know, things, different projects he's worked on is amazing. And we'll end with this one, a Dick Warlock. He actually is a policeman, and I think I've mentioned this multiple times, but he is the Michael Myers from Halloween 2, uh, which is an amazing film. Right, 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 all right, good stuff. Well, that's good, that's great, Bradley, thank you for all that, and I think we're going to move on to the uh, episode recap that I've written, and we'll got a little bumper that we put together for that, maybe. 
We sure do, right here. If by chance you happen to be in the Windy City between May 28th and June 2nd of this year, you would have had very good reason to be terrified. During this period, Chicago was being stalked by a horror so frightening, so fascinating, that it ranks with the great mysteries of all times. It's been the fictional subject of novels, plays, films, even an opera. Now, here are the true facts. All right, awesome. All right, guys, well, here's a little story summary for you. Um, Carl Kolschak, a crime reporter for the INS Wire Service, now working in Chicago, has recently been taken off his usual assignment to make up for commandeering a call, make up for commandeering a car, and claiming he was a police commissioner so he wouldn't miss out following the story he was after, which he eventually does miss out on completely even though he's placed multiple people under citizen's arrest, which he said was his right. <laughs> he is punished by his editor, Tony Vincenzo, who assigns him the duty to fill in for the advice column responsibilities of dear Miss Emily while she is out of town. Along the way, there have been strippers and whatevers, Carl's words, for them, uh, who have been killed in Wisconsin, and now the same type of murders are happening in Chicago. But as Carl pretends to pour over the Dear Miss Emily letters, Vincenzo tells him he gave the murder stories to a fellow reporter, Ron Updike, which draws Carl's ire because Ron's only reporting experience has been as an editor of the financial column. And as the murders continue, we see Updike come back from going to the scene of a crime at a massage parlor, and he is visibly sick and shocked from the experience and just asks to go home. Carl continues to work on the case and try to hide it from Vincenzo, but he is caught with library books about Jack the Ripper on his desk. To cover for himself, when Vincenzo catches him, Carl lies and tells Tony Ron can no longer go to the library because he is a bibliophiliac. Carl does his usual best to anger police captains and get information from others. One of them is Jane Plum. Carl tells her she's being dumb, Plum, when she agrees to meet the Ripper alone. Turns out Carl was right, because when he confronts the Ripper with the help of a letter from Dear Miss Emily's group, nonetheless, Carl is smarter than the Ripper, excuse me, Carl is smarter than Jane, because he finds Jane has actually been murdered. Carl finds out that the Ripper is susceptible to electrical shock, and somehow he's able to rig some sort of electrical device in a small water pond. Uh, I guess. I don't, I don't know what that was other than some kind of collection of water. And he has enough of a charge of something to be able to lure the Ripper out and then electrocute him. Um, he rigs the area and he is able to lure him out after having a chase where we think that he is more than likely going to be killed, but he isn't. In the end, we find that a Ripper's shoe survives and it is a shoe that was only made available in London 70 years ago. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we, we need an exo, I mean, an outro music too, don't we? Yeah. All right, Bradley. What do you think about one of your favorite things about this episode? What can you tell me? One of my favorite things. Man, I think the music, so this is a lot different than the movie. First, you know, Kolchak's, yes 
doesn't have the suit, as we talked about last time. He's wearing uh, the seersucker. He's got his hat is a different style. Um, and he's driving a, the prettiest, most beautiful Mustang. A nice little, uh, man, I'm, I'm a Mustang guy. Go ahead and mm-hmm. throw that it's out He's got there. a little man, canary yellow Mustang. Loved it. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. But the music was even different. There was like very ominous music. Uh, it seemed a lot more foreboding in a lot of places where the first movie, I mean, it had some, it was more jazzy sort of. Does that make, make sense? Mm-hmm. Sort of. Uh, yeah. The, and and DeWitziak makes a point that there were two different musical, um, uh, what, what do you call them? Musical head persons in this, head head musician, head head mu- composers, uh, right? Composer. There we go. That's the word I was trying to struggle for. And you know, there's that story about um, switching from what was the TV show, I mean the TV movie now to the TV show, and uh, and I think I'm almost positive is that he already had the one who did it for the TV show. He already had that. Um, music somewhere for another show he was working on and only had a certain amount of time to be able to use that and then just boom um, went ahead and that's the one they used for Kolshak. Had you heard that story at all Bradley? No I I haven't of course I've only seen the the first movie and (laughs) because you're keeping yourself so 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 pure. Well I know you so you don't have any Dewidziaks you did get one of the Dewidziak books though right? I sure do. I, I I'm reading it. Doing sort of like go. episode by episode. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I I think that actually was in the book that I I read. Um, yeah. Just I would imagine any of that would probably sorry to interrupt you, but any of that probably would have been like a, a Dewidziak fact more than likely. That would be it. So so yeah, I I, I agree with you 100 percent that the music musical styles are different, and that this one clearly. Um, has more of kind of the upbeat, jazzy soundtrack to it, and I and I can't remember how that plays out in future episodes for the TV series, but it was also that the music, I think, represented these um, kind of like uh, dance parlors, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if these women, you know, when Carl says they're dancers, whatever. Is, is he trying to imply that they're prostitutes too? And this is a strip club. I, I'm just, I, I'm not sure what that was. Not that we really need to know, but what was your impression about that? Well, wasn't there a sign that said Warner's boom, boom room? Yeah. I think yes. so. I mean, you would I mean, think the, that's a strip club. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's, and it starts off just, I think the first shot after he's on the train is, this, and there's a, a woman up there. And I think there's even a topless woman that you see, but of course she's covered with a right. towel. Right, right, right. That's when she leaves, yeah. When she gets all, she's the first victim that we see, I guess. Yeah, Debbie Fielders. Her hobbies, Kolchak uh, <laughs> knows, is breaking horses and collecting bone china. Kolchak, where, what, in, where are you getting this information? Like, he's a very thorough reporter. <laughs> th- just, very thorough reporter. Let's let's just face it. She should have concentrated on staying alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely a quality episode. I think the biggest difference in this one is the introduction of the other characters and 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 the interaction of those other characters more frequently than we had in the first TV movie. 
So in the first TV movie, Grant, he's got Bernie Jenks, who is the FBI guy. He goes and sees, he sees the doctors and gets some information from them. But he really isn't working with anybody um, at his um, newsroom, except for getting raked over the coals by Tony when Tony doesn't like the story. Uh, yeah. where, where in this one, um, Tony still is kind of raking him over the coals, so that dynamic's still there. But we have the introduction of Ron Updike. Um, who is fantastic? Yeah, yeah, Ron Updike. He he is he he was one of the highlights of the episode. Just, um, but it seemed like the movie was like scenes were very. It was very tight script. I mean, if you think about it, these episodes are about what an hour, fifty five minutes. Is that what they are? Yeah, I'm not sure. Mark Mark knew all the the specific times on that, but yeah. And the first, the first movie was over an hour, but it was under an hour and a half, I believe, or it might've been at an hour and a half. I think think it came in around like an hour and 15 minutes or so, but then that was just counting commercials. Yeah. 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 But it, but I mean, it felt real tight. Any dialogue progressed the story pretty much like Mm -hmm. everything played to the plot. But here it seems like, you know, you get the, the, the scene of Vincenzo, First shot, he's messing. You know, he's got that gumball machine messing with it, and they're just sort of hanging out at the in the office. You know, right. and there's a there's an extended scene where they just have a conversation talking about stuff, and then he sends him off to do the Miss Emily. Uh, and one of my favorite one of my favorite things is like he, Kolchak sort of befriends him later on, and he's like, yeah, you know, I've been. He's like, hey, are you not working on Miss Emily? And he's like. Oh, I'm working on Miss Emily. I've got them all done, and and they're just sort of. He's like, you know, I thought I could help old Ron uh, Ron out. I might go out, and then like Vincenzo's like, a, yeah, yeah, and he sits down and he finds the the extended shot just of him finding the one letter, and then he's looking in the drawers and he finds one drawer and the yeah. drawer right under it he opens up. That is a classic gag. That's like up there with like. Laverne and Shirley or, or uh, Gilligan's it Island. Some, it was hilarious. I'd, I'd laugh so hard at that. But you didn't get that in the in the movie necessarily, and I don't think that's... I mean, it, they just felt like two different things, and they both were really good in their own way. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, he you know says, what I'm trying to do, Tony, is to establish a, a rapport with my fellow staff mm-hmm. members and you know, we don't, we bicker too much. And who don't you know, Tony's like, well, that would help on my end, you know, cause Tony realizes <laughs> yeah. and what we, what we see um, later is this uh, relationship between Updike and, and Carl. And we already see that Updike is teasing and laughing at him for having to do the dear Miss Emily um, uh, letters in the very beginning. And they have sort of a, a terse, uh, you know, exchange, but yeah, great, great comedy. And really that's, I think something to point out again, that most people know about the night stalker who really love it is that it is scary. And when a lot of us who saw it when we were younger, um, felt, felt just how scary it was. Um, I'm curious to think what you think about that, Bradley, with your sort of younger perspective and seeing it compared to all the other things you've seen when it comes to horror films. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's undeniable the, the mixture of the genres and the type of things that we said is just so brilliant about this show. There's comedy, there's tension with, you know, the, the cover-ups and the attempts by the police to stall and not, you know, really confront what's out there. And then there's the, the monster, 
and those situations. So how do you how do you feel like the the horror tension stacked up in this one? So I'm sort of conflicted here because I thought that the the Ripper was played masterfully. Uh, he leapt around, leapt off balconies. He really, like, he was getting after it, man. He was just doing everything he could. He's, I mean, I guess an apt comparison for the day. He, he you know, he put Bruce Jenner. He could have looked like Bruce Jenner was in that, in the, you know, suited up as the Ripper. But I think that Kolshak sort of takes away from the horror by just being all, just not being afraid, I guess, and just being there, just taking shot, you know, just taking the pictures of him like there. I mean, Kolshak really just seems unfazed a lot of times. And so I don't think I really, the, it was conveyed to me until the end, whenever mm-hmm. Kolshak's skulking around the house. Right. Stalking around the house, you could say. Right. And he, and he opened, you know, peels back that, the curtain. Man, that was, that I genuinely, I, cause I was sitting, I like to watch it in the dark room <laughs> with headphones on. So I'm sitting here and I, and I see the shoes sticking out and I'm like, oh no. But then, that was, of course, the, the the just the shoes. Yeah, right. It was the throw off, but then he he reaches in the closet. Cole Shack was okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but Cole Shack was home free. Just he wasn't gonna touch him, and he. Oh. <laughs> I know. I just, like, I just wonder if that was just an editing choice, and they just went with what they had. But yeah, he just broke. I mean, he wasn't touching him. He 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 seemed like, and, but it was just hilarious to me. Something else is coming in the closet. <laughs> Wait a minute, you know, and something else. <laughs> which, uh, you know, ironically, speaking of Dick Warlock being on this being in Halloween, reminds me of the Halloween scene of him re- of it's him absolutely Jimmy Lee Curtis. Myers reaching in and Jamie Curtis being getting that shot on the inside of her. Right, right. Um, well, let, let me say then about the the horror stuff that I remember this when I saw it as a kid, and and granted when I finally saw this one now I was finally a, a, a mature eight years old <laughs> as opposed to the six years old when I saw the TV movie. <laughs> but um, I, I absolutely remember the scene of him running across the top of the building and getting shot yes. at and then, you know, jumping down and all this leaping over cars and all that kind of stuff. Now, I didn't think it then, but I still kind of think it now. It's like this guy's got superhuman strength and it seems he's a lot like the vampire in, um, in the first one. And I wonder yeah. if they that was an intentional move is to make him supernatural. Granted, they were making him have an extra long life. And uh, you haven't seen the second TV movie, and that kind of fits a little bit with that storyline too. But um, I, I think that, I feel like they made this character almost vampire-esque and in order to make him seem more supernatural. Um, he never sucked blood, he never did all those things, but he was being, you know, like the Ripper. But anyway, that's... Yeah, uh, well... Go ahead. Well, the well, the Ripper originally a lot of people thought he was a vampire, like he sort of fed in the lore. Did they? And yeah, and even this, and even, and I don't know if that was like a post, uh, you know, sometimes people in hindsight, like in recent history, will look back on something and say something. But uh, there was a lot of stuff that sprung up, sprung up around that time of sort of the links to that. But the movie and this episode did play out very similar. You know, him going to that house, the you know, in the original, going to the abandoned-looking house, and then him going into this, uh, the inside looks, you know, very sort of abandoned-looking. And I, was there, in the first movie, he fell through the banister, didn't he? Or did, did the other guy fall through the banister? Oh, man, I don't remember. Um, but Kolshak here, the banister breaks. Right. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just a lot of parallelness 
But I think that I liked... Okay, so at first with the water thing, I didn't know that was water when Cold Shack... Like, it was so dark. Right. It was, yeah, And it, that also tell. reminded me... Yeah, that also reminded me a lot of Halloween, how it's so shot completely dark, and you just see him looking around the house. Yeah. And he looks down, and I thought, what is he looking at? And I, think, and I had a thought, well, I guess there's something there that he can't... Maybe, I don't know. I wasn't sure. And then when he... I thought, oh, okay. On a second rewatch, I caught that that was water. But on the first one, it was so dark, I couldn't tell that the water was there. Um, I think if they would have shown the water more, it might have been a better impact, I guess. But, I mean, it didn't take away from it a lot. But um, it was just a situation where I was like, I don't know what he's doing here. Right. But it makes sense in hindsight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead half a second. And I know we found a bumper for this and everything. But <clears throat> I'm thinking about um, Night Stalker science here. And this is where, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> this is where I think I would, you know, tend to say this is the way that Carl finds out he can use whatever method it is to defeat the the monster, the bad guy. And I, I think it's a it's a regular theme within the show. Uh, the TV movie, of course, he researches vampires and and what's supposed to happen. Tells people how they need to combat them. In this particular episode. I love the scene when he's confronting the police captain and, you know, he eventually tells him, you know, stop being an ostrich, you know, and behave like a police captain. So don't just bury your head in the sand. And, and then, you know, has the interaction. And can you honestly tell me you think this guy is just a regular person? And the captain, of course, says I can. And Carl's like, well, you're sitting on your brains. <laughs> well, but he, he goes through the litany of all the things that have happened. How many people that have died, how many times this person has been attempted to be executed, you know, by firing squads and all this other kind of stuff. And it's very similar to the first one. And I don't mind that at all. I like it. Um, I really like that. So I, this is where I would call this kind of like the night stalker science, um, and, and how he is able to battle this, um, you know, the supernatural being, would you agree that that, that falls within that category? Yeah, and you know, going to that, I think it also sort of ties into history. What is the the Count of Saint Germain? He was like infamously like this man who never died. That was uh, I think this also sort of plays on the lore of him. Uh, they say that he had something to do with Oak Island and all that stuff. Um, and and there's some I mean there's some really fun astonishing legends episodes on that. Uh, if you want to go listen to a podcast that I would recommend 100. Uh, percent You know, and the Count of Saint Germain. I think that's just something. I mean, there was always even things about Vlad the Impaler, um, stuff like, did he, or what is her name, Bathory, uh, Elizabeth Bathory, did this really extend life? Did blood extend life or and all this stuff? I mean, it's something that people have been fascinated with, I mean, even since the, you know, the beginning. I mean, if you look at the creation narratives of the Bible and stuff, these, these people who lived, uh, there's people who make livings off just being creationist scientists who, study hey how can you live for 900 years and they have explanations and all this stuff well, I mean, to, yeah to, to be methuselah yeah yeah which you i think you live up there close to the ark up there don't you the ark encounter oh yeah baby yeah, yeah so you yeah but you you've seen that bad boy so you know something about that i know about it i i have not gone to it <laughs> but there 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 is that yes i mean the the ark park gets a lot of visitors there's no doubt about it yeah but all that being said i mean it's just all feeds into that 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 need for uh, immortality. And that plays a role in like so many things in the vampire mythos. I mean, even mm. in the, 
I mean, there's just something. I mean, even if you look at zombies, it's sort of the 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 dark side of that, I guess. The longevity, but you're you know an undead creature. Right. I mean, right. You know, but, there's but, just a but, lot. But again, back to the Ripper. I mean, you you feel like he really was um, meant to be kind of portrayed like a a vampire to a certain extent. I think at the very least he was meant to be portrayed supernatural and, you know, someone who just kept going, but I guess because, I guess because he was so evil, um, that's, that's what allowed him to do this. And so we don't really have a whole lot of background, uh, for that. And, and actually, you know what, I'm just going to skip again. I'll skip again ahead and just say, since we're talking a little bit about the history and all those types of things is that, the, the one thing I would share is I've actually been on a Ripper tour in London and have gone to the Spitalfields and the, the, the I guess the, um, what do you call them, the pubs. The pubs that, were still, that are still in existence that were there at the time. And um, we walked the back alleys where people were, the bodies were found and all those types of things. And of course we did this at around, I don't know what it was. 11 at night or something like that. And, and, and of all things, my wife and I did this on our honeymoon in London <laughs> and did, did a ripper tour, which was really, really fun. It was done very well. The, the people that lead those are very knowledgeable and good, good historians. And, um, but yeah, it's, um, it, there, there have been, you know, this, this ripper story, uh, there are people who still make money off of it and write books to um, claim that they have, you know, gotten closer to who it actually was, um, that there was the Ripper. And I think I told you, Bradley, that there's one family uh, story that um, on my dad's side and someone who was a, like a second cousin um, stayed in the same room where they were housing someone who was suspected to be um, a, a, a ripper suspect um, who was in London and then traveled to the United States. And uh, so there's this little family legend about this. And it was made darker because at some point, one of the, the family members, I think, fell to her death when she was on a cruise ship. And uh, so I, I don't know wow. all the, the details about it. I'm not saying anybody in my family was was the Ripper, but that's sort of like some family lore uh, that we had. And so, uh, but anyway, that's I, I think the the Ripper story, you know, piques a lot of people's interest. And and I think it's I I think it's really unique that they use this in a show like this um, instead of just having a, a vampire. Then they have an actual historical person that they turned into supernatural. Yeah, and even like I remember reading the book. I don't know if it was a couple of years ago. It was like a Ripper type thing where he comes to America, but it was like a novelization. Like he comes to America, he goes on a train out west and does all this stuff. It it was sort of like it was almost like a a, a, a talked about this what if what could have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a ton, there's tons of stuff like that, and uh, I'm glad you confirmed that you are actually the Ripper. You have uh, came down through history. It's, uh, if, if that's the case, everybody's safe. <laughs> <laughs> as fa- as slow as I move these days, uh, you don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, and, and, you, and know, you know the uh, of course uh, Malcolm McDowell was in a famous movie called The Time Machine that was based on him playing H.G. Wells, but mm-hmm. the the idea was that the Ripper went went forward in time and Malcolm McDowell followed him 
forward in time to try to catch him. Uh, and that, that's a fun science fiction movie. Well, I shouldn't say fun so much as a good one because there's a lot of death. So I guess we could probably can't call that fun. <laughs> oh, I'm well done. I, I'm in a lot of the horror groups on Facebook. That some of the stuff that that's called fun, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, y'all roll with that. And I don't just remind me not to get on your bad side. And you know, speaking of taking all this in brevity or in uh, not brevity in jest, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like Carl, even then when he confronts like this this ungodly, you know, evil. You know, supernatural thing he always has quips and he always says stuff um right and and some of these i wrote down that i thought like <laughs> what is it like go play with your pimples and <laughs> like what, what are you doing uh i thought that was soybean infusions what's that got to do with the news like just funny stuff that, that he said throughout and then the whole back and forth with him and jane uh he, just the, the little ch- chides he had here and there. I meet her anywhere but a restaurant that he he said he'd meet her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there there's some really great lines in that, and and of course that um when he's talking about the soybean futures, and you know that's of course Tony being completely out of his element and saying that you yeah. can learn a lot from Ron. You know he was the editor of the the financial column. Like seriously, that has nothing to do with crime. So I, it's kind of sad there that Tony is sort of a buffoon, and when when he makes that statement, and I know the first TV movie, he talks about him also just being someone who is not um, doesn't it doesn't have enough on the ball. Uh, let's say to, to be the yeah. editor that that Kolshak needs. And and Updike just getting called uptight all the time right. to his face even like Kolchak has has no chill and all that he just he'll let it fly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was gonna pick up on here the the massage parlor scene with Kolchak is like <laughs> some some comedy gold and and I wrote it down here. Go for some, it. <laughs> like he's sitting and it was funny you cannot see what a number seven is and like the like uh, some of them show what they are. And it's you can't see it. And he says, "Oh, he says, uh, if I can find it, he says, give me a number seven. It's my lucky number." But you don't see what it is. And he goes in there, and and he, she's like, "You know what? Are you a tennis player?" And he's like, "No, no, no. I just I just run a lot." He just I thought that was funny. And he gets cuffed. He gets cuffed because. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean the the whole thing. That, that whole the, this, the whole the, the whole the misdirection mm-hmm. of. You know, all I want to do is just watch. And, yes. uh, you know, and maybe, and then she's like, maybe use your recorder. Yeah, yeah, that's all I want to do while he's taking his shirt off. Shirt off, yes. <laughs> while he's still doing that. And then and then the interplay when the, the male cop comes in and he's like, gosh, Kolchak, I thought you were straight. You know, I am. So what do you mean I'm straight? I'm, I'm not. You know, so like thinking that. Because he's gonna watch if some guy comes in here that he must be gay or something like oh, that, and they use that line a couple times. No, I think what no, I think what the the exchange was is he's saying, "Ah, to go in there and watch girls," and then Kolchak says, "I don't like to watch girls," and the guy's like, "You don't like to watch girls?" And he pauses. And goes, right. No, no, I'm not that way either. And that yeah, was the, yeah, the cut yeah. to commercial. But it, oh, get get me my shoes. This is there's glass out here. Like just. There's a yeah. lot of hilarious. This the it's just sprinkled in, and I think that's something you didn't get with the first movie, um, that I could see some people not liking, I guess. But I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess there there are people out there that aren't crazy about that, but no, I think um, 
at least on the fan sites and everywhere else, you know, pretty much anything uh, Darren McGavin does with that character, everybody loves. I mean, it's, I, I think that's kind of kind of nonstop. I would say the the love fest. That oh yeah, he gets. yeah. And 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 rightfully so. I mean, it's a great character written by Jeff Rice, but interpreted by Darren McGavin. And, and sort of reinterpreted, so to speak, with the way that he wanted to play him. And, and talk about his his toughness and his fearlessness that he has. I mean, I you know, when you know when the the big fight scene happens and he's in there trying to take his pictures with his little camera, and and you keep seeing policemen flung <laughs> over yes, his yes. head. He's just kind of ducks and sees another one. That was so funny. And, but you know, he, he's doing what sort of an action photographer would do. Um, so let's say he was a military photographer, um, and he was there in a, in a firefight. They're still taking pictures, you know, even though their life is at stake. Um, similar to what a, you know, actual reporter would do who has a cameraman, um, but they're going to be there in the thick of it so they can get the shots they need and they may not. So I, I think that's, the fact that he does those things is, is accurate to a journalist who wants to do the story and is able to kind of like step outside of it uh, with his own personal fears or whatever else it is. And I've always recognized that in that character. And I mean, the fact that he, well, I think we talked about this in the TV movie, you know, would either of us gone into that house thinking that that guy was a vampire to try to try to kill him? And we're like, no, way yeah, no. we're not going in there and now in this particular case he's got some motivation because he knows jane has gone in there and so i think that is uh, a new layer to everything but um anyway so uh, yeah I, I agree and i just love the comedy and i think it works so well with his fearlessness too and it's that tension that's in yeah that. and um I just got a few more points, I guess, in the episode discussion yeah. before we wrap it and move on to the next segment. Um, but a couple of the points I had, and you know, feel free to jump in anytime. I, him and Vincenzo really, him and Tony, he really have this good dynamic. Uh, at one point, you see him leaning in on him and sort of, he's got that look on his face. Just that Darren McGavin look that he just, he flashes. He gets Tony to even do some investigative journalism, you know, when they're in there and they're talking. The electric chair was made in 1908. He said, Tony, you know, call. <laughs> he's, and, he's, and he's like bossing him around like, what? Yeah. He's just sitting here <laughs> getting him to do some journalism work. You always want to, didn't he say, all, when you always want to be a journalist? Go ahead, yeah. So when you're talking about leaning in close to him, are you seeing when, when Updike leaves because he wants to go home and he's so yes. sick? Yeah. And that's when he kind of like gets, re- and I thought about that too. I mean, they are like so <laughs> close to each other. Yeah. And in, in reality, and I know that's kind of like a camera shot, but man, the, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so close to him. And, um, but I don't think at that point, yeah, he still wasn't pulled off of the Dear Miss mm-hmm. Emily column yet. And he never really no. was. Uh, I th- but he seemed to have some more freedom to go out there and try to cover the story. But then though. he like when it, then he gets you know he finds out Jane you know he knows what happened he figures it out and he leaves Tony there <laughs> just call Jack where are you going you know well, well yeah he says leave it all here I'll clean it when I get back <laughs> no and but I, did I guess did they ride together or did Tony ride separate you think 
I don't. I don't remember. You must remember something else that I remember. I don't remember Tony in the final. No, I'm scene. talking about when they're at the phone. Like when they're at there. the phone. So, yeah, because they're at the phones. Well, okay, so when they're at the phone, Kolchak leaves Tony there. Correct. Now the reason why they're there is because Carl got. Um, that's when they captured the guy when it was on the electric fence. So he, so the Ripper jumps into the electric fence and Carl's there. And then he ends up in the police captain's office and Tony's there. So yeah, I think he got called in there, but I, I don't know what the sequence is. Oh, well, the guy escapes. Yeah, he escapes. He breaks that's that. That's what it is. He breaks the concrete around the steel door. And, but then Kolchak right. knows where he's going. He leaves Tony there because they didn't go start looking yeah. for him until after he breaks it. Uh, that's when the whole investigate he gets Tony trying to investigate stuff. But he leaves Tony there, and I'm not sure if they if they rode together. But Tony seems very upset that he left. Just I don't know. Okay, yeah, the, you, you've noticed something I didn't notice because I mean, again, he eventually goes looking for the letter, and that's how well, he ends up finding. That's the out next scene after that. So he leaves Tony there, and Tony's like, yeah. "Where are you going, Cole Shack?" And he's stuck there at the at the phone. And he gets there, and he's sorting through it, and then up that, of course, sees it. And he said, I'm going to clean it up. And then eventually Tony wanders in. But I'm like, did, did they ride together? Because Tony seemed pretty upset he was leaving him there, you know. I think I uh, I'm, I, I don't know what sequence you're going at. Because the sequence that I know of, when you're talking about them riding together, riding together to where? To the... T- where where are they riding? When they rode there, I'm saying, did they ride originally to the to there to the to to the to the news no, office? No 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 no. Well, I mean, they rode to the police station where he's being where the Ripper's being kept, and then he rips the door off so they yes. go in search of. He gets him. Yes. Uh, on the phones doing stuff. Kolchak leaves Tony there without him coming with him. Right. That. So, right. but Tony seems really upset that he's being, he's not, he's left without him. So, Correct. Uh, th- and and then, what's the, then what's the next sequence you're then thinking? Th- then you see Kolchak, he's done turn this bag and he's looking and looking. This is Bradley from the editing room. And after going back and seeing it, Kolchak was already at the police station. He had been arrested, but when you see him, he's not in handcuffs. He's not in a cell. Um, I guess his car is still wherever it was, so who knows if he left Tony behind or not. But somehow he left, got back to the newsroom, and he was there the whole time, so this whole conversation was for naught. So I will get you guys back to the podcast. I don't know how you think that they rode there together. Tony just seemed, I'm just um, saying Tony seemed very upset that he was leaving. It seemed like, <laughs> it seemed like this is horrible. Huh? This is horrible that we're arguing this. <laughs> I don't. I, I. I. don't know. I. I think you're assuming that they did, and maybe they did. But Carl has his own yes, car, but I, it, and so if he if he left, and then Tony eventually showed up, he didn't say, "Why did you leave me hanging?" You know, I had to get a ride in a taxi. No, but I, or looked, anything like that. So I told. I don't think they were. I'm telling you, it, I, the way I remember it, it, it seemed like Tony was looking to get a ride, like because they. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We'll just drop that, and I'll I'll pr- I'll be proven right later. This 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 is podcasting gold. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I really think because he seen. I mean, why would he be so upset that he left? Then I mean, he's just going. I think, I think it's just because he 
he's Carl and he doesn't care what anybody else is doing. He's going to run off and, and do what he does. But I don't think it has anything to do with the ride. Well, Moving on um, from that, I'll tell you something else Carl doesn't care about. I don't hey, think we can. I don't think we can. I'll tell you something. something that, I think the whole podcast is why? over. <laughs> I'm kidding. And then something Carl really don't care about is is Miss Plum. You know, she's dead, and it, like he knows he knows that she goes to the park and stuff, and he just sort of meanders around like. Oh, she was there. Okay, let me just stop at this old lady's house and find the house. Like, instead of going to the park event, like, right then, let me go back. Go. To, she's headed to the park. Let me just go find the letter. Uh, let me just fiddle fart around here. Dig. I think we, I think we saw two different shows. What? No, he knows. He doesn't, he doesn't know where Jane is or where this guy is. He has no idea that he lives necessarily in this area in what particular house but he knows in. she's so he has he has to get that information from the woman who knows where if the house is if he would have left his sin- so he can't he can't just go knocking on <laughs> doors hey are you the ripper and do you have my fat friend so that he can save her he has to investigate he, he could have found her at the park he could like he could have caught her at the just just running around saying, "Hey Jane, where are you?" He knew what park she was at, so he could have went. Dude, he could have went to the park. If I'm ever in trouble, you, so this is in Chicago. Do you have any idea how big parks are in Chicago? I, I, I know, I know how big the, the parks are in Chicago. So it could, it could be a couple miles that he's. So he couldn't. He needed to investigate the lead that he had with because he letter, didn't care. So that he then, so that that person died. could tell him. That 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 this is the house where this guy is. So I don't. I'm sorry. I don't don't agree with you. I I think he cared about Jane. That's the reason he still went in to try to do it. But he had to know where she was. Please, if if I'm ever in trouble, and they need to send you to find me. <laughs> Follow the lead. Don't just go yell at my well, name. Well, by your logic, by your park. logic, they would have had to know where she was meeting him at the park because she just goes to the park and tries to meet the ripper. Now that's another that's another hole if the, you're saying these parks are miles long. She just I'm gonna meet him at the park. That's what she tells everybody. And that's what she she just goes to the park and goes stands under a light pole. That's where she is. She's standing under under a light pole. Well, she she's being dumb, Plum. What can I tell you? Well, anyway. <laughs> After those folks, you've, 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 you've witnessed the possible breakup of a podcast duo <laughs> and all, all it took was waiting for it to do a show that was two years in waiting. Yeah. And then we just I've been sitting on this for a long time. The fourth man. episode. But, uh, oh, good Lord. It's yeah. so late. Okay. We'll go um, ahead and wait. Well, I, I, I respect and validate your opinion. Bradley. I don't, I don't respect I don't yours. It's it. wrong. I cl- clearly you don't. Clearly you don't. I'm telling you what, this needs to go out on on YouTube. This is this is what's gonna lock us in. We'll get maybe ten more viewers if and listeners if we get this. Just to like, you know, make fun of us. But okay. We talked Oh my gosh. Okay, we 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 can't take this too much longer. We're already sitting at an hour and three minutes. And so we need to talk about your movie. Well, connections we need to do a I'm rating there. i'm getting there i'm getting there. those kind of things do you do you do you want to say anything else about the episode we got a wrap we got a wrap we got a wrap here so 
We've talked about the fight scene. We talked about all that. He talked about that old lady who we didn't mention that old lady. That old lady just creeping. I've been watching, writing down everywhere he's been. We we glossed over that, but hey. <laughs> I, I was trying to say it. You just wanted to talk about him running in the park to go find well, Jane. So she she was very odd because she kept track and she wrote down all of his movements. So she had a telescope pointed right at his house so she could keep uh, keep track of and talk about a creepy character. You don't have the old lady in your neighborhood in that does that? I sure hope not. Um, There's this so, weird guy. He walks you know, his dogs 25 she, times a day. I got him written down right here. I know. It's, it's awesome. So, I don't know what to okay. with this. Okay. I'm, Whatsoever. Okay. I'll, we, I'll wrap it. So, so, the, so, Kolchak gets his man. Yeah, he gets it. Does that crazy right? thing. He somehow knows how to set electrical yeah. charges. He, he, he has, I guess maybe he has these things in his car. Mm-hmm. Do we ever see a scene when he pulled the stuff out of his car? I don't I think remember. He, he went to oh he does he goes to his trunk pops it. Okay, so then that's that's how he knows and he prepares things. Yeah. Um, and I guess he if he didn't find this body of water he was just gonna clamp him on his nipples. <laughs> in, in a no, tussle? he well he found the body of water before <laughs> he he planned that. it out. Uh, planned. You think he'd already he already he had talked to the dear Miss Emily woman. And known that this body of water was near this no. house. As as he didn't care about Jane. And he planned he, that out. Then he, he went and got the equipment. No, that was the back. scene. He walks around the house. He looks. He notices everything. And he goes to the main box and starts, I've got a note here. Walks, You're right. He You're right. No, I'm just I'm He just don't wear his PPE. Uh, that's one thing we talk about at work a lot is, you know, he didn't lock it out, tag it out. So I don't. He, he's over there working on it. <laughs> but. Okay, but okay. So there's so it, the house looks like the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Got vibes of that. It went up in flames. Reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, okay, yes. Th- that's the episode discussion. Um, <laughs> okay, it's, it's smooth, hey. smooth ending. <laughs> let's let, let's talk about some ratings. Hey, Colshack, wrap us up. And here's the postscript. When they drained that pond, they found nothing, nothing but some old clothes. For some reason, the police suddenly decided they wanted those and my head. I don't know how Vincenzo will handle the charges of arson and malicious mischief lodged against me by Captain Warren, but that fire was a big one, a six-alarmer. A blast furnace couldn't have done a better job. Everything gone. The house, my story, the evidence. Like they say, ashes to ashes. One thing survived the inferno, however. There's enough of it left to read the name of the maker... Peel's Footwear, London, Southwest One. They're still there, of course, but they don't make this style shoe anymore. It was discontinued over 70 years ago. 70 years ago. Episode writings. Robert, what do you got for your episode writing this week? Well, I just want to say I, I love miming <laughs> yeah. what he says when he does those if things. This, if this ever goes out on YouTube, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. A go. It's going, man. <laughs> I mean... I'm telling you what, this is podcast gold right here. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe fool's gold. I was about to, I was about <laughs> to say that. Yeah. yeah. See, it, we got it, man. We got it. <laughs> We're not. Um, 
I I give this ten tongue sandwiches. Wow. Did you? Oh, okay. Well, I can make mine. Ten tongue sandwiches. Is that higher than your movie rate? Ten tongue sandwiches. Is that what? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I agree oh, with wow. you. Wow. I was gonna go uh, ten slices of pecan pie. Oh, I thought you had a nine point five in there. Did you raise your rating yeah, as we talked? I, I, I pulled a I pulled a Robert here. I talked about it and <laughs> I pulled a Robert with a comedian. This this episode may actually go past the the rating system by the time the <laughs> it's gonna be it's a, it's a by 15. the time we get to the century it may be up there. Well, at least you didn't dislike it like I liked the comedian in the beginning, and then eventually just yeah, loved which. It. We were talking about the Twilight Zone, uh, first, first, or the first season. It was, I think, it was, it was the yeah, first yeah, episode, the first, the first episode, no, first season, first yeah, episode of the, right? the Jordan Peele reboot. Yeah, yeah, um, well, yeah, I, I, I think it's a ten. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great film, and I can't even remember what I said about the other, but you know, it's just a little less than a ten. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, really enjoy this, and again, I think because of the introduction of Updike. Um, the inter- interaction with Tony, the Dear Miss Emily uh, letters, and the interaction with that creepy character. Um, his I love his confrontation that he does with the police captain. And, and poor Jane, but I, I loved her too. And um, I, I would just, I wish, you know, with the future <laughs> of these episodes would have all of these elements. Yeah. In them, and in some cases they do, some cases they don't. But I, I really yeah, I do. Th- I think this took what the first uh, movie did, and it improved upon it, and added a little bit more humor, and I think it did a little bit better. Um, yeah, just just improved it all around. Well, you know, speaking of improving all around, the sooner that your lives will improve a little bit sooner if we can get this podcast over with. So, uh, <laughs> how about we move into movie picks? My movie picks of the week. Evidently, I just wanted to talk over the top of your bumper, but um, it, there is such a soothing feeling when I hear that voice and saying the movie of the week because I remember that from my childhood. Yeah, and it's just funny to hear that. And so, so now uh, my movie picks of the week. You say my voice is not as sultry as his? Wow! Mm, wow! No. Wow! <laughs> You're, you're good, man. You're just not, you know, that good. Oh, I don't know what that means, man. Disintegrating on the air here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing with it. Okay, Bradley, I'm sorry. You're as good as a as a TV announcer from the 70s, who I just said I had incredibly fond <laughs> memories of. Um, That's as good as you are. Will you please read me the phone book one day and send it to me? It'll put me to sleep. It'll be glorious. Oh, so now I put you to sleep. Is that what you're yeah, um okay my my movie picks <laughs> picks of the week uh some honorable mentions jack's back this all you know talk about jack the ripper movies jack's back a fun 88 slasher uh there's this really good one uh black butler it's an anime uh sort of based has a jack the ripper sort of uh element to it there i won't spoil anything there so it's, it's really fun really cool gotham by gaslight what is better than batman Solving the Jack the Ripper murders. I meant, come on. Are you serious? That's enough. That's just my honorable mentions, though. We'll move on 
to movies. Uh, the top five, number five, 1971's Merc. Tell me, no, tell, tell, tell me a little. Yeah, what do you want to know about? Tell, tell me a little bit about that Jack's Black, Jack's back though. Um, was that? It's like, who, who's the star is it in James that? Spader, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I love that movie. So you've seen he, it. He plays twins. I oh I I I talk about. Did this you just movie give away the the, the plot? Wow. Spoilers. No. Twins. How how much did I just give away? <laughs> <laughs> you ruined it. They're twins. <laughs> well. Please talk about your movie. Well, the the sports. And those 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 were the honorable mentions. Yeah. So you got me this excited just by the honorable Jack's mentions. Jack's back's good, but you know. I know it's great. Man, I don't think it's. So 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 let's so the hear same your year. Okay, number five, I'd say Murder by Decree. <laughs> A fun one. I thought it was really good. Not as it's not as good. You know, it's better than Jack's back. I'd say. And I know you probably shoot that down. Um. But it, I mean, I, it's a really good take on it. Uh, Jack the Ripper came out the same year. I think it does, because I don't know. Jack's back's interesting, but I think that it does a little bit better. I think it has uh, Michael Caine, who was ended up being Alfred, uh, really good. Uh, he played the role as the chief inspector. Really, really great film. Um, From Hell. Uh, who you know who that who that one is. Uh, Johnny Mr. Johnny Depp. Depp and that one, a great one. The Jack the Ripper 1959 movie, a classic. But, number one, The Lodger, uh, a story of the London... Uh, it, it was really good, a story of the London Fog. Uh, 1927, that's one of those... You know, it's it's one of those... It's 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 really good, I think. Um, it's, hmm. it's interesting. It's sort of that era of movies that you don't really... Uh, you know, it, you do, it's just a classic. There's some of those movies like the 20s, 30s, 40s uh, that you just can't really can't really capture a lot of that nowadays. It's it's sort of a, just a, just a golden era. That's why they call it the golden age of horror, right? Okay, I'm, I won't debate you on that. <laughs> Look at that. Here here we are towards the end. We're getting yeah. Along. See see. So fair enough. Where, where are we going now, Robert? Where do you want to take us now? Oh no! Are, are we close to the end? <laughs> can we can we put this, put this to bed? dog down? <laughs> and and myself, that's nearing one thirty in the morning. I'm surprised my wife hasn't come up here and just screamed at me to be quiet. <laughs> so that's good. At least at least I haven't had that happen to me yet. Of course, the air conditioning just dropped, so she's probably gonna start hearing me. Uh, anyway, those are my own faults, problem. What? Uh, well, we have a segment that is listener feedback. And we feel there's a good chance that we have enough material for us to do a separate listener feedback. And I apologize to anyone who thought that they would be hearing that feedback on this episode. I know that I personally, the few times that I've sent in feedback for shows, when I hear the entire show and they say, oh, by the way, we're going to do a special segment. And I'm like, no, I wanted to hear myself now. <laughs> you know you've done that. No, Bradley. never. As Never. much as many times as you send in listener feedback, you know you want to hear it. That's the time they come. Oh out. yeah, every time I every time I listen to anything fifth mention, well I'm tired of hearing of hearing Robert talk. Let me just scroll through. <laughs> scroll, <laughs> scroll, 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 scroll. Whatever, whatever it is, speed it up. Yeah. So no, we we did we got a little bit of audio feedback and we've got some um, written comments 
And I think we're going to go ahead and just drop that as a separate episode. And um, we're going to, it, it won't, you know, probably will be about 20, 25 minutes, yeah. I think, Bradley, somewhere on that ballpark. But we really appreciate you guys um, paying attention to all the posts that Bradley put out. Um, I occasionally dip into those and, and make some comments. And I certainly go through and like all, a lot of the comments that everybody says. Uh, when they talk about that and, and Bradley, I don't think we, we didn't say it at the beginning, but let's go ahead and say it now, since we're talking about, um, people being able to reach us, what are the ways that people can reach us when it comes to giving us some feedback about our show and, and everything else? Yeah. So you can find us at call Shacks loop on, um, Twitter, Instagram, we may not be as active over there. Uh, I'm going to try to step up my game over there. But a lot of our the people we interact with are just on Facebook. You know, uh, we, we post a lot in the groups. And that's another thing is I share this. I share our posts in a lot of the, the, the blooming uh, Shack communities that we have on, across Facebook, you know, tens of thousands of members. And we, I've got some really great responses that I'd love to read just about memories of people watching the first movie, watching the first episode at home. Uh, you know, Robert, you even have your own story that I re- And it's just people, it's like a time capsule, just those memories. And that's something, you know, the nostalgia that you just really can't get. Uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to capture that. It's hard to explain what that is. Uh, so I want to read them and, and give them its due, di- due diligence. Um but anyway, at Twitter, at uh, at at Colshack Sleep on Twitter, Instagram, uh, we, we want to do some Twitch streams, maybe do some watch-alongs if we can figure out how that works. We'll probably post it on Facebook as well, uh, just to keep everybody in the loop, uh, pun intended, completely there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can also find us on, you know, if you're listening to us, you've probably found us on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff, Google Play, Spotify, Castbox, Overcast. But the the real juicy stuff you want to know, if you want to send in your feedback, you can email it to us at callshacksloop at gmail.com or the number to call is 662-374-0778. We look, just look, look for us on socials and we're going to have some future stuff. We've got a Jeff Rice Memorial uh, Scholarship and Robert, I don't know if you want to say too much about that, but you have been in contact with some people today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I do want to say something about that. Um, and we've, I think we've said a few things about, you know, the Jeff Rice's story and, and how much we appreciate the fact that he is the one who created the Colshack character and, and what it has done uh, for the, the, the industry itself. Um, you can think of the industry in all kinds of different terms. If you want to call it urban fantasy or fantasy detective stories or, you know, just a, the procedurals of, of a horror film. And, you know, the, the relationship that it would have with the X-Files and then Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural and so on and so on and so on. But as Bradley and I were putting together this podcast, um, we just we just kept thinking, like, you know what, I, th- I think Jeff Rice just didn't get enough of his due. And that's pretty obvious. Like, what can somebody like us do to try to help him um, continue his name? And at work, I talk a lot of times about, and we joke with it because I say it so often, but legacies of knowledge. And and I really want there to be a, a legacy of the impact that um, Jeff Rice had. I want people to know about it. And so what we thought would be really neat would be to create some type of memorial scholarship that would actually be, um, it, it, the details aren't there yet. So we're, we're getting there. 
but we're thinking about making some type of writing uh, contest where people will submit as in, in the first case, I think we're pretty much going to have it as potential news stories. Um, but then we're also hoping somewhere down the line to do some creative writing. And uh, Jeff Rice was a newspaper uh, reporter and he was a novelist. And so we want to be able to use both sides of that. And um, we have been in conversation with his son, who is um, supporting us and, and has agreed to do what he can to join in those conversations and let us know more about Jeff. And, of course, Mark DeWidziak, um, when he's free um, in, the, in the future, has also said that he's going to help us with some things. And as it turns out, Jeff went to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and I am actually in talks. I can say we're in talks. Nothing is still firm yet, but I'm in talks with some people from their uh, media department, um, their journalism school, school of journalism, I guess you call it that, media. And, and we're trying to cook up something that will be a fitting tribute to Jeff um, down the road. What, what that's going to look like are many possibilities. So we just kind of have to see. And I think what Bradley and I are going to do, because these things are going to take some time. If we, if, we, if we come up with something that's going to be at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, it's going to take time to build up a foundation if that's what we're going to do um, and, and have a scholarship that, that lasts but what Bradley and I want to do um, is actually, it, it's going to happen fairly soon um, when we can get to do it, but come up with some sort of crowdsourcing platform and actually um, have people donate to this particular scholarship. And what we're thinking about doing is having a $500 uh, reward for the people who join into this contest. The details of that we're we're working and studying. Um, we, we'll have some details on that and see um, I, what happens with the scholarship if we make it national versus if it goes to a university. I, we don't really know. We're going to try our best to figure all that out. So we're in those stages. Anybody who has foundation experience and is a big Cole Shack fan and wants to give me some input on that, that'd be great. I do have some friends who work in foundational work and fundraising and uh, I will have been picking their brains and we'll continue to do that. But um, so I'm rambling a little bit, but that's kind of where we are. And to think though, that this was just this little idea that we had, honestly, it's been two years. We, we thought of this two years ago and it's just finally starting to take shape and some people are getting involved with it. It's really thrilling. And uh, we hope that we can, like I said, continue on this, this great uh, work that Jeff Rice has done and do it in a way that continues to let people know when I'm gone, when Bradley's gone and, you know, and, and other people and maybe Bradley's son um, goes to UNLV <laughs> at some point and is there and, and then there's a contest for the Jeff Rice Memorial Scholarship. Uh, of course, he won't be able to because Bradley's linked yeah. to it, and that oh, would yeah, be an unfair yeah. advantage. But anyway, <laughs> so I went on and on about that. But Bradley, thank you for re remembering to let me have that opportunity to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and I think it's sort of a, a double-edged sword here. We both, uh, you know, you really love Kolshek, and, and I'm I'm get, just now getting acquainted to the world. Uh, but, we, but one thing that we both do have a passion for is uh, English. You know, I was an English tutor in college. I loved uh all the creative writing classes. I took actually extra English courses that I didn't even require for my degree 
just because I enjoyed it so much. Uh, and I know that you you were an English teacher. So, I mean, it's just sort of like a, a, a melding there of just something else that we both just, you know, call shack and, and English and, and, you know, writing and all this stuff that uh, it's just irreplaceable, I think, you know, Jeff Rice and, and English. <laughs> but just, you mm-hmm. know, irreplaceable things that I don't think people, you know, especially in Jeff Rice's case, I don't think people realize the impact that he has had. Um, right. I mean, the, this, this industry that we all love and, and talk about when it comes to the horror, um, industry, I mean, it has made billions upon billions of dollars and not, not directly linked to Jeff Rice. I don't want to be, you know, speaking in such incredible hyperbole here, but it, it is influenced by it. And there, there is no doubt that the combining of genres like Mark talks about, is is pretty much um, Jeff Rice is the first one to do that, and and I've I've listened to some folks who when they talk about the Night Stalker, um, they kind of get Jeff's role in all this wrong, and they don't they haven't really analyzed the book, and and Bradley and I will definitely do that um, coming up in a future episode is we'll read the book and we'll go into detail and analyze that. Well, I would imagine we'll have Mark back on again. And but I'd also like to have some screenwriters talk about um, some things that they would do if they were to, to adapt that book, and I think that's going to be fun. And we've got some future people that will eventually be joining us. I don't think they're going to be necessarily the very next episode. But Bradley, do you want to talk about some of the people that we've got that are going to be coming on, who at least have verbally told us they're going to come, and we've got some some rough dates. Yeah, even from uh, even today, I just touched base with. Richard Haddam, screenwriter for The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, he's currently writing for Titans, DC's Titans. That's uh, Eric on HBO Max. Got some uh, season threes coming this October, I think this fall. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. But he's going to come on. We're going to talk. Uh, you know, we're going to probably do a few episodes with him. I know at least probably just talk about his career, some of the stuff, how how Shack has influenced him. Uh, we also, from Astonishing Legends, we're going to have uh, Scott Philbrook and uh, Forrest Burgess on to talk some stuff. We may have all three of them together. Uh, we're still working out all the, all the stuff with that. Um, but, and then they have, uh, they, they both went to film school, I believe, or at least I know Scott went to film school. Uh, but you know, so that's, that's just three of the guests that we've got lined up. We're going to have Mark a bevy of times before, uh, as much as we can get Mark on, I would love to have Mark on. Uh, we need to, I think next time we need to push it to four hours, uh, see if we can get a four hour recording session. I, I have a famous quote from the first time we recorded. I'm not signing up for that. Um, <laughs> That'll you guys, you guys can have that one. I'll, I'll never be able to go that long with it. But, but also too, uh, as I mentioned, um, James Rice, Jeff's son. Yes, yes. Um, it has agreed to be on here. We're currently. I haven't shared you, Bradley, his schedule yet that he's spoken about, but. I would say within the next few weeks, oh, uh, we'll get him on the show too. News to me. And he, um, you know, what, what I've told people multiple times is that when James does a little tribute slash impersonation of his dad and describes things that his dad would like to have done or seen or known um, that we're doing now in his name, it sounds identical to what... Um, Jeff's friend, Mark DeWidziak, would say about him too. And I love to hear both of them say that and and know that Jeff's personality was so strong that it's you know embedded in his son, embedded in his friend, and that's the kind of personality that we hope to bring out um, for everybody. 
And, and this is in no way trying to say that Darren McGavin was not a significant impact on all this. Obviously, uh, he is. And I think we've, we haven't reached out repeatedly or even successfully to some of the McGavin camp with their um, child, with his children. But there may be a chance that we can get some of them too. We've sort of eyeballed where some of them are. And we'll look at trying to bring them in too. But this is, you know, this is the difficulty with this show. Um, <laughs> it aired in the 70s and it's nearly 50 years old. So it is an old show. I couldn't imagine being Bradley's age, which is 28. Uh, 27 right? right now. Yeah. 27. Okay. I couldn't imagine being 27 um, and then thinking that I would watch something that was 50 years old. Uh, it, it would just kind of blow my mind. And, and TV has changed so that the bar moves a little bit as you get, um, now that we're in the 2020s and more things that are accessible to you. I, I get all that, but wow, it, it just blows my mind. I mean, I think back usually to TV that I would have watched and accepted and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there were a couple 30s and 40s. Um, things that came out that I saw just because I was, uh, you know, usually because of my parents. But I pretty much cut off. You know, I was uh, born in 66, um, really started watching TV, cable, and things when it was in the mid-70s to late-70s. And uh, I would rarely go back to anything in the 50s. I mean, it had to be basically in the 60s or the early 70s for me to watch it as a kid. And then as I got older, you know, it changed a little bit. But anyway... Uh, I, I digress, but oh yeah, um, and uh, so but you know I ahead, even Bradley. think you know talk going back to Mark I think it's even an understatement to just call him and uh, Jeff friends like you you've all heard some of that we and, and I don't know and there's even some things you, you that you all probably probably aren't privy to that we've talked about with Mark uh, but they really were really good friends uh, to, you know beyond anything that we can express here um, and and we hope to you know get talk uh, with Mark more about that as well. Yeah, well, as as Mark has said on our podcast, he has volumes and volumes of things that were letters exchanged back and forth between the two of them, and many phone calls and and um, so it, it, if you are into Cole Shack and want to know more about that backstory, I think now that Mark is working on what he's working on, eventually that story is going to be told. That that would be my guess. Um, I've offered to read all the letters. For some reason, Mark doesn't want to let me. <laughs> I said, Mark, I'll just come right up there. I'll stay there for about six hours. I'll go through it. I'll be your assistant. Mm, not really going to happen. But that's that's okay. Um, okay. So, Bradley, I think we've talked about how people can reach us. Uh, I went on and on and on about this potential scholarship. Um, and I, I think we're ready to close this baby up. Uh, we were right at about an hour and a half or so. Um, and, and we think we're just going to release this video. <laughs> we're going to try to be brave about it and, and just release it. So we'll see if that actually happens. If that does happen, um, we are used to being podcasters. We're used to editing our, our material, making it a little bit tighter. And uh, so we're a little more vulnerable with doing this this way on video, but I enjoy it. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's going to be fun and hopefully it expands our audience. And, and really, it, it continues for me. Honestly, it goes back to Jeff every time. What can I do that's going to expand 
our audience and then let more people know about Jeff. And I'll say one more thing is that Bradley and I are actually going to launch a podcast slash um, video show that's going to review the new t- the new second season of the TV show Evil. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to do a, a one season summary of that show. We don't even have a name for it yet. <laughs> I'm not even sure what we're going to do, but we just know we love it. And uh, we're going to do that too. And so, uh, and, and then I guess we didn't really say um, the intent here with our podcasts and these videos is to release them on Sundays after the Me TV watch yes. logs. I, we kind of mentioned that Me TV was rebooting all this and they're going to season one, but our hope is is that the moment after that is seen, it'll be fresh in everybody's mind, and then we'll drop these episodes. Uh, for podcasting and video, so you can continue the Coal Shack experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me TV on Saturdays, Coal Shack's Loop on Sundays. That's the plan going forward. Um, but hey, for all things Coal Shack, gave you all the social medias. You can find us right here inside the loop. explain it. Who could explain it? Who'd believe it? stupid. <laughs>